This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode five of season three of Allison Interviews. I have to tell you... <laughs> That for some reason this season, I feel like I'm running a freaking marathon. Like I'm trying to get to the finish line and get to the 10th episode because your girl is exhausted. (laughs) But it's all good. It's all good. So this episode is with a woman who I absolutely love. It's Debbie Matinopoulos. Now she is an OG from The View. Okay. She is a View OG, motherfuckers. Okay. So listen to this. In 1997, The View came on the air. It was Barbara Walters' baby, and it was Star Jones, Joy Behar, Meredith Vieira, Barbara Walters, and Debbie Matinopoulos. And Debbie was like right out of college. She had been working at MTV. She was 22, same age as me. And I remember watching The View, and I was like, who is this little punk that got this amazing job on television sitting next to Barbara Walters? I was like... So freaking jealous. But seriously, though, she was like so cute, so funny. And what's interesting about it is that she was actually hired because she was green, you know, because they wanted the perspective of a young woman just starting out in life and somebody with a really vivacious personality and somebody who wasn't afraid to sit next to Barbara Walters, who was like the OG celebrity journalist and 2020 journalist, not sit there shaking in their boots, but actually be able to give a real opinion. So she did just that. And then it was just crazy because she eventually got the axe and then she was replaced by Lisa Ling who is a fabulous journalist by the way who I really love as well and then uh, Lisa was replaced by Elizabeth Hasselbeck then Rosie O'Donnell was on and then she was replaced by Whoopi Goldberg I mean we all know that what's gone on on The View I mean it's crazy and frankly I will say this I think that The View should get Debbie Matinopoulos back in that chair because The woman is so funny, so bright. She's seasoned and an expert journalist at this point because after The View, she was working for TV Guide and then she was on the E! Network and then she was on the Hallmark Channel doing Home and Family for almost a decade. So, I mean, she really has quite a resume at this point. And I think that she would just bring some fun and something more lighthearted and really great back to The View. So, guys bring Debbie back, okay? (laughs) You'd be lucky to have her. But we spoke about so many different things. We spoke about 
her time on The View. We spoke about her time working for the E! Network on the show called The Daily Ten. We spoke about all kinds of family issues like parents, kids, pregnancy, her Greek heritage, which is a really beautiful heritage. And I learned a lot, actually, from speaking with her. And the piece de resistance. She has a skincare line called Ikaria Beauty. Ikaria I-K-A-R-I-A Beauty, like the Greek island, Akaria Island. It's Akaria Beauty, and all of the ingredients come from the Greek island of Akaria, okay? And I've been using her skincare line now for, I think it's maybe going on like three weeks at this point. I have to tell you, my skin feels like a baby's ass. I'm like, I'm not kidding. I'm not playing with you guys. If I didn't feel that way, I would just say like, here's the information, da, da, da. You know what I'm saying? My skin feels like if you've ever had a facial and then like you come out of the facialist's office and you're just like feeling your skin and it just feels like a masterpiece, that's how it feels every day. No joke. I don't know how exactly all the ingredients were formulated, but I will tell you that the ingredients do come from Greece. I think some of the ingredients are royal jelly, olive oil, honey. I don't want to get it wrong, but I will tell you your girl is loving it. And go to ikariabeauty.com. Learn about the products. You'll see what I mean. They are fabuloso. So anyway, <laughs> but before I continue to ramble on, we will get to the tea and we will get to my interview with Debbie Matinopoulos. Have fun. What are the three most significant life events that have made you the human being you are today? Huh. Oh my gosh. That is such a tough question. I feel like every single day there are significant life events and (laughs) it's your choice to see them and hear them and take them in and do something with them or not. I mean, God, okay. Well, it's interesting because I never thought about this until you just said it, but something that keeps coming to my brain right now is this was pretty significant because it keeps coming up and I, I keep thinking about it through the years, especially like when people you know, when it comes to race or listen, I'm a white girl growing up in America that looks like just your typical white girl, but I am a hundred percent Greek through and through. My mm-hmm. parents didn't speak English when they came to this country. I mean, I'm as immigrant as they come. I'm the first person in my family to be born in America. My sister, and my brother were born in Greece. My parents mm-hmm. put themselves through night school. They had two suitcases, two kids and like 50 bucks in their pocket. Wow. Yeah. And they managed to put themselves through night school to learn English to then have successful careers to then be able to help their kids go to school and like help pay for college, et cetera. So I think one moment that I always think about is when I remember being like six years old and being in a grocery store, like younger than my daughter, my daughter just turned seven and being in a grocery store with my mother. And, you know, my mother obviously has a very, very thick accent, could hardly speak English properly, but was trying, you know, doing her best. And she was asking something of the saleswoman at the cash register. And the woman kept saying, what? And being really dismissive and really rude. I'm sorry. I don't understand you. And kept talking louder and louder as if speaking louder and with a like aggressive tone was going to make my mother understand or her understand one way or another, but like they were going to communicate better. And I remember seeing my mom just be so deflated and so ashamed. 
because she wasn't able to express herself the way she wanted to. And I remember looking up and saying to her, my mother's not stupid. She just speaks a different language. Please stop talking to my mom like that. And I remember being six years old. So that moment for me, I think helped me empathize with immigrant people so much in this country. Even though people look at me and they're like, whatever, she's some like white girl from, you know, Virginia. Wrong. Wrong. Right. It really gave me such a soft spot in my heart for like anyone who is Mexican American or Latina or, you know, Italian or whatever it is, or any of the Asian communities, because I get it. Like they're not, they're trying, they came here to to make a better life for their families. But, But have you noticed that we're a nation of immigrants, right? But in recent times, there's like an animosity towards immigrants, right? Like a hostility towards if you don't speak English that well, if you're like trying to get your footing, but you don't fit in, you know? Exactly. And this country is a, it's a melting pot. The country was born out of immigrants. Yeah. I mean, it's like, come on. So I think that would probably, it's interesting. I never said that. I've never said that to anybody, but that was wow. very big though. for me because it's so deep inside of me. Like I have a real hard time when I see anyone speaking to someone who doesn't speak English correctly or doesn't speak English, you know, properly in a way that is kind of mocking or patronizing. It bothers me deeply. <laughs> Wow. Take up for somebody like that. That's good. Okay. I think probably another moment, God, there have been so many. Another moment would be getting hired for the view. That was my God, life altering and nothing I expected at that time. That was like, you know, I was at a party uptown and some guy said, Oh, come audition for this show. I was working at MTV. I had pink hair. I was going to NYU journalism school. Oh, Barbara Walters was doing the show. I said, are you out of your mind? Like Barbara Walters is going to want me to go work for her. You must be crazy. So he said, Oh, come whatever. I literally was like, yeah, mm. I didn't think about it twice. I get to, I was at school in the morning at, MT, at NYU and I went to MTV after school. Cause that was my job. And my roommate said, you know, he called, you got to go up there for the interview. This guy that you met last night. Was this a guy who worked for the view and he was looking no, to the cast the panel? Yeah. The view didn't exist. He worked for, um, he was a, a casting director. And he was okay. Barbara for, for Barbara's production company. It was called Barwall. So she okay. had hired him to cast the show. So I go up there, a mess, pink hair, bowling bag for a purse, like a mini skirt boots to my knees, a little baby tee. I mean, I was like, what in the world? And I thought, whatever. All my friends at MTV were like, oh, this is going to be fabulous. They're going to have the best story. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I was going to have a cocktail story. I go up there and it's like a record scratch when I walk in. So I mean, maybe because I didn't, I felt like I didn't have anything to lose. Perhaps yeah. that one of the reasons that I was not anxious about it and wasn't, I just thought, whatever, I got nothing to lose. I'm here. I still have a job. I'm going to NYU. It doesn't matter if I get hired on this. And that's probably why looking back now, they actually hired me because I was so, I was not in my head. How about that? What, like we started the conversation. I wasn't in my head. Mm-hmm. Or just like, whatever, this is me, you don't like me, that's okay, because, you know, I already have a job and I'm going to school, it's cool. Can I tell you something? I pictured that part of your story so much differently. I pictured that, like, you're working at MTV and somehow you met Barbara Walters somewhere and she was like, you. Completely different. I mean, I show up for <laughs> this is nuts. They basically just 
asked me, I mean, walking into ABC, by the way, from MTV to ABC, big difference, big difference. Cause they were very corporate. MTV was like working at romper room. So what I was wearing at MTV was, was very normal. Like everyone at MTV wore that, but walking into ABC, this like corporate ABC news building, I'm going up the escalator and people are looking at me like, who is this crazy woman with pink hair and a blue bowling bag for a purse? Like, did we hire a, a singing telegram? It was crazy. So anyway, they asked me about my life, blah, blah, blah. Oh, come back and audition. I go back to audition two weeks later at, I don't remember the hotel. Anyway, it was one of the hotels on the park in New York and they'd rented the whole the suite and all these people show up, all these women that were all famous except for me. And I start to realize that, well, that they moment. were all seasoned like journalists and all of them, right. All of them. I was the yeah. only one. And you know, correspondence and stuff. Yeah. This woman will remain nameless, but woman, I was like, okay, just try to keep it together. Just, you know, you got this far. It's cool. Again, I was 21 years old. I was a child and all these people had already had like careers and things. And I'm thinking, okay, just whatever you're here. You can't go back to MTV now until you do the audition. Cause everyone knows, like everyone was very excited for me to go over here. <laughs> so this one lady looks at me and says, Oh, so, um, who are you? What have you done? And I'm like, just don't pick on me. You know, I'm trying to kind of back into the corner of my own business. And she's, so where are you from? What do you do? And I said, well, my name's Debbie. Um, I work at MTV. I'm a production assistant. You know, I've done some things for House of Style and just, you know, and um, I've done some stuff for Nickelodeon because Viacom, you know, it's MTV, VH1, Nickelodeon, blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh, Nickelodeon. What did you do for Nickelodeon? I was like, well, it's like this child, this kid's thing. My friend was producing it and he just needed somebody to kind of run around New York and, you know, kind of talk to kids. She goes, ah, that must be great for a girl's career. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have, leave me alone, lady. Like, really? Like, she, you called me back. I don't, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. very famous, this woman who said this to me. And I thought, wow, okay, so it's time for me to go now because I've, and everyone in the room kind of giggled. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, this is awful. <laughs> so I go, okay, I've had enough. So I turn around to leave. And as I'm walking out of the room, Barbara Walters is walking in. I open the door and she's standing there at the hotel room door. And she goes, oh, baby, I'm so happy you came. And I'm thinking, well, had you come a little bit later, I'd have been gone. And she guides me back in and now addresses the room with her hand on my shoulder. No way. And I'm looking at that lady now like, hmm. <laughs> oh, well, how about it, lady? I Look. love those moments. <laughs> I, have, I have a question, though. So you're 22 years old. You're a student. You worked at MTV for a little bit. What did Barbara Walters expect from you? So she puts this 22-year-old on the panel of The View. What were her expectations of you exactly? I don't know that she even knew, to be completely honest. Okay. Because the show was an experiment, you know, nothing like it had ever exist be existed before. But as you see, so many uh, imitations have come yeah. after. So it was an experiment and it was something that she had wanted to do for years. And she finally was at a place in her life and had enough respect at ABC that they would allow her to do this, where she wanted to just have a bunch of women sitting around from different generations, different backgrounds, different views that would talk about topics of the day. You know, the show has become super political now, but it wasn't supposed to be political. It was not meant to be political. It's just about, meant to be like, okay, 
here's your mom, your grandmother, your aunt, your cousin, your sister, and your like your young sister all sitting there chatting about the same topic, but they're all going to have different ideas because they're coming from different generations and different backgrounds. And that was just it, just to have like a fun conversation and see where it comes out and for all of us to learn from one another. So you were basically, I mean, like just to like break it down, you were basically hired just to be yourself. That's it. It was like, just come on, be yourself and share your point of view. Exactly. And in the initial interview with Barbara and with Bill Getty, that's what they loved. They Mm -hmm. loved that I was just myself because I hadn't, I didn't know how to be anybody else. You know, I don't know Mm -hmm. how to be you. I know how to be me. So I think what really ended up happening because yes, they want you to be yourself. But uh, media and entertainment has changed immensely since then. You can be yourself right now, and so can I, because we don't have Tide and Downey and Coca-Cola breathing down our neck to say, oh my gosh, what are you saying on that show? Right. You know what I mean? Because yes, they liked it, but then when you get in front of the world and the network, and the network is selling advertising dollars, they're saying, who is this wild child saying these things that perhaps don't align with. Okay. You see what I mean? Yes. The sponsors were still her boss and the network is still her boss. So yes, in a room like this, it's all fine and dandy Mm -hmm. back then. Now you can, now it's different. The like now it's like people say the craziest stuff and the crazier, the better. And people like that because it, it, you know, garners publicity and, and people love all and that. And it goes viral. It goes viral. And, yeah. But back then it was very different. Back then they want to sweep anything under the carpet. So they were like, yes, we like you, be you. And then they'd be like, well, a little less you. <laughs> not so much you. We're not sure daytime's ready for all that. But, you know, because then the Kardashians came and all those things happened and all the craziness. I was not nearly as wild as they were. But I remember right. I was also 22 years old on national television, going to concerts, going to clubs, being a 22-year-old. I'm your age, right? You were born yeah. in 1974. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I remember watching you. I was like 21, 22, whatever I was. And I remember things were like really great. I thought you were funny, irreverent, interesting. You did some cool, fun things. And then all of a sudden, like things took a left turn. And I started hearing in the media, like, would you believe what Debbie said on The View? And and, and then people are parodying you. I hate that word. You know, and kind of like picking you apart as if you were supposed to be this like seasoned politico and journalist, you know, and it was very weird what happened to you. You know what I'm saying? So how did you feel about it then? And how do you feel about it now? Well, then it was very hard to deal with because suddenly I get all of this fame and notoriety very, very quickly. It's all fine and great. And then, like you said, it turned on a dime and then suddenly everyone started attacking me. I'm like, wait a second, you hired me to be this, right? Hire me to be the prosecuting attorney like star or the, you know, the seasoned journalist like Meredith, who's won a gazillion Emmys or Barbara Walters, who, you know, changed the face of television for women completely. You know, she's an icon, a trailblazer. Or Joy, who's a stand-up comedian. You right. hired to be the kid from MTV. That's all I ever told you I was. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to understand why it was all happening. It was also hard to 
like read that stuff and hear that stuff. And even when I wasn't reading it or hearing it, for whatever reason, all your friends want to tell you or your family wants to call you and tell you, I'm like, please, can you stop telling me about what they're right? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It sucks. So I really retreated and I didn't want to work in this business anymore. I was like, it, okay. it's over before it even began. Cause I was like, no, thank you. You know, I have a very, very strong family unit. Thank God. Cause if I right. didn't have such a strong family and wasn't so, so supported by them and it was a safe haven, like no matter what I know that I could always go to my family. So I really leaned on them a lot during that time. And I went back to Virginia and just moved back into my parents' house and said, I don't want to do this. And the press was calling and the paparazzi were trying to find me. And blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be part of this nonsense. I don't want to be part of this mess. I am not a person that likes to fight. I'm not a person that likes to make other people feel uncomfortable. I'm not a person that likes to debate just for the sake of debating. Yeah. That's kind of what that show had become. Like you were debating, but it wasn't like that at the beginning. I'm telling you. And so no, I used to watch it. I used to watch it. I watched it. it. I think it was in college. And then like right after college, I remember, and it wasn't so like now it's, I mean, I hate to say this, but now it's kind of a drag. Like, you know, it's very serious. It's very political and it's not fun. Like it it was, you know, to be fun. So that, so gosh, I, I can't believe that I actually came back to the business. I was like, I will do something else. I don't, right. I'm not into this and, and, and making people feel bad and you're making me feel bad. And what have I done except do what you told me to do? But so, how, how was it presented to you? Did they sit you down and say like, you know, look, we love you, but you no, know, this is what's going on. It's not your fault. You know, was it that kind of a thing? It's not you, it's us. Yeah. And the network's going on in different, in a different direction right. and yada, yada, yada. Now look, they tried to point to things like I was young. Okay. I wasn't sitting at home and knitting. I was going out to clubs. I was going here. I was going there. And that for, at that time was really intriguing to the paparazzi. They didn't have anybody young in New York that was on a daytime show. This, I was the youngest person in history to be on a daytime show. So for them, this they were like, Oh, she's a loose cannon. They're like, any moment we're going to get something good for the press. And they're, they were not wrong. I didn't know I was a kid. So right. thank God there was no social media. Oh my God. Yes, seriously. <laughs> that would have been, um, I would have lasted two weeks. So <laughs> and because of the paparazzi would follow me around in page six and whatever it would, it made Barbara embarrassed as opposed to her saying, Oh, we should talk about this on the show. We should go out on the show. Cause that's what the right. show was supposed to be. And we should say, well, Debbie, it appears you're in the paper today for dancing on the bard hogs and heifers, oh. which, happened, which happened. Okay. Okay. But instead of talking about it, because I, my friends came into town. I wanted to show them a good time. We go to Hogs and Heifers. I'm dancing on the bar, whatever. The paparazzi is there. The page six, who, by the way, how did they know I was going to be there? Somebody tipped them off. So it's not like they just show up. You know, yeah. they're not always at Hogs and Heifers on a Thursday. So anyway, pay <laughs> 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 for the next day. I don't know this because I went home, whatever, got in bed, got to go to work to the next morning. I go to the show and I'm like, hey, everybody. And literally people are like this. Oh, hi, Debbie. Like, no one's talking to me because they know I'm about to get in big trouble. I have no clue what's going on. Like, why is everybody so weird to me today? That would have been a perfect conversation starter, though. That would have been like, you know, this is what's going on and and gotten your perspective on it. Not back then. Now, back then, they were also buttoned up and still so scared. 
There were little yeah. just when it was a, the pendulum was about to swing and it hadn't, I was a little early, a little too before my time. So anyway, I, you know, Barbara is like, this is not the behavior that we expect out of somebody like you who's going to be going to show in. Okay. Yeah. She's right. But again, remember I was 22 and everybody mm-hmm. else was so much older. That's what the show was. We should have come in. We should have sat down. We should have said, oh, it appears. So can I ask you what in your mind made you think that was a good idea? And then I'd be able to say, okay, well, I'll tell you why, you know, Drew Barrymore did it. Julie Roberts did it. My friends mm-hmm. came in from out of town. I wanted to have fun. I'm 22 years old. Do you think that the women at home wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, my daughter does stupid stuff like that. Do you understand? Like that would have been a really great conversation. It would have been relatable instead yeah. every single misstep and mishap I had. They kept just sweeping under the carpet and being, oh God, please nobody find out. Or instead, you know, shaking their finger at me as opposed to saying, we can use this as a learning experience. Right. Had they, if, if the show was, that was happening today, that's what they would do. Well, you we know, go from hogs and peppers to, to sex tapes, right? And it's all good. <laughs> I was dancing on a bar. I'm not Kim Kardashian. <laughs> so anyway. Did you ever watch Lisa Ling or Elizabeth Hasselbeck or you just were not like interested? In, Lisa's in still my dear friend. I love Lisa and I love Elizabeth. I'm not as close to Elizabeth as I am to Lisa, but mm-hmm. I love both of them. I mean, it wasn't their fault. They got a job. Like they got yeah. the- because there was a spot and they wanted to hire someone different than me. So they hired Lisa and then it didn't work out for her after two years. And then mm-hmm. they hired Elizabeth and then it didn't work out for her. So I always say I was the first one to be voted off the island. Right, I right. Original survivor. And after <laughs> yeah. the gates opened and 17 others came after. So something about that was really healing for me. Okay. It was a sort of um, validation and vindication that, wait, it wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. Right. For a minute, you think it's you and you think, gosh, what have I done? And I messed up. I mucked this whole thing up. But the truth is, it wasn't me. I did everything they asked me to do. And it just, you know, the show was trying to find its footing. And I'm also very thankful for how it went down and for that experience. Because Mm -hmm. having had that happen to me at 24, I was 24. So from Mm -hmm. 21 to 24, I was with The View. So by 24... In the eyes of a lot of people, my career had been, was over. Right. You know, oh my gosh, it ended before it began. And after I healed and I was with my family and I really licked my wounds and I decided, no, this isn't going to define me. No, this isn't about me. I'm a good human, regardless of what these people are writing. You don't even know me. What are you saying? Regardless of whether they don't want me on the show or not, I'm worthy. I'm a good person and I have a lot to offer. And you know what? I'll use my journalism degree and I'll get back into it and I'll do something else. And you went to E. Did you go to E next? Or was there something in between? You went to the Daily 10 on E, right? No, there was a lot in between. Okay. I'll get to that. Hold on. But, but having, God, what did I do? I'll tell you. But having been fired, like I always say, it's like, it was like a, a public beheading. It was like they called everyone down to Times Square and let's see, put Debbie's head in the guillotine and oh my gosh, and cheer. It was like, what? Gosh, you guys are aggressive. I'm just a kid. Having had that done so early in my career prepared me for anything. I mean, Allison, it's like, I like that. Anything. I'm like Teflon now. Nothing Mm -hmm. hurts me because I'm solid in who I am and I'm solid in what I stand for. And I know I only have good intentions. So if somebody, no matter what they write, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter what situation you put me in on live television, Mm -hmm. I just, I can handle it now. So, and I really, really attest all that to having been 
in such a huge public position so early on and then having it ripped out from under me. There's something freeing about it because you, have, so you have to like rebuild yourself and then you rebuild yourself the right way. And the right way. Yeah. Not because of what you're told you're doing and what you're supposed to do. And oh my gosh, I'm scared. Did I do that right? Oh, you told me to do this. Okay. No, you do it on your own terms mm-hmm. and you do it with your own confidence. So yeah. it really helped build my confidence in a way that I'm not sure I would have had, had it not happened so early because I've worked with a lot of people and and a lot of them much older and have had longer careers than me. And I've seen their careers wane or I've mm-hmm. seen them be fired from something or lose a contract and they crumble. And I'm talking yeah. like big people, you know them. And I've had to go into them and say, listen to me, listen to me, Google me right now, read all that, read it. And I'm still sitting here. You have to believe when I tell you that is nothing but you didn't have that experience so early like I did. I was fortunate enough to have it at the beginning mm-hmm. of my career. So now if something happens, I'm like, y'all, it's fine. We're all going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Like when the show yes. got from home. I always family. say no one thing can ever take you down. It doesn't work oh like God. that. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. And you have to believe, I promise you in my heart of hearts, the universe wants you to succeed. Yeah. The universe wants you to win. Just believe that. If you go into life with that mindset, like you are what you believe, then yes. you're completely different. You know, but if you walk around believing all the things people say or do or whatever, oh, you're in big trouble. Get out of your I head. also think it's, I think it's super important to also separate yourself from your career. Like people who allow their ide- their personal identity and their career to become one like this, and then you lose that. Yeah. The bottom falls out. Yeah. That's why it's so important to be secure in who you are before you mm-hmm. start getting into what you do. Yes. Whether it's television or journalism or, or being a doctor, you need to yep. be secure in who you are before you become what you do. Because that's just what I do. Right. No, they're two very 100%. different things. Yeah. So that was very defining, as you can imagine, like I just told you. Yeah. After that, did I go to... Oh my gosh, I forgot. Okay, I launched something called TV Guide Channel. So, which was kind of like the screen thing that like tells everyone what's on. So it was me and I, you know who does it now? Mario Lopez does it sometimes when you go into hotel rooms and you see what's okay. on. Okay. So I launched that channel with Katie Wagner, Robert Wagner's daughter. Okay. I moved to LA from New York right after, after I decided, because my agents called me and they're like, you have to start working again. People are calling us. So I said, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. And they said, well, we have this offer for you in Los Angeles and whatever, and blah, blah. I was like, no, I don't know. And they're like, well, it's X amount of dollars. And I said, okay, when can I go? <laughs> Start packing. <laughs> right. Okay. Tomorrow I'll be there. <laughs> At that point I was like, not working, staying at my parents' house. I'm like, I got to make some money. I'm like, wow. Okay. I'm coming. So I come here and I'm thinking at least it's not going to be a, a massive platform and I'll be able to still kind of heal as I'm going. And I meet mm-hmm. Kim Wagner, Rob Wagner's daughter, who ends up becoming one of my best friends in the world. And she really kind of took me under her wing and like showed me all of LA. And she'd be like, stay away from that person. Stay away from that person. Okay. <laughs> that one's okay. I mean, it was, it was really cool. So, and then I did, I did good day live. Do you remember that show on Fox? I remember good day LA and good day New York. Okay. Well, so they, syndicated? Tried, they tried to take it national. Okay. So on the national show, it was myself, Steve Edwards, and Arthel Neville. And so that was on for two and a half years. That got canceled. And then I went over to E. 
And I was at E for almost 10 years. When you went to E, were you like heavy duty into celebrity culture or did you have to kind of get into it for that job? I worked at MTV before. Initially, like the only reason I started working at MTV is because I'm such a music head. Allison, all I want to do is listen to music. I love music. I am tone deaf. I don't play an instrument, nothing. If I could have been an A&R, loved it. I just love music. So, you know, like music is like E is all about selection. Right. But that that was the whole thing. So everyone's like, oh, well, you came from MTV. And I'm like, I went to MTV for the music part, not for the TV part, because I'm truly a fan. So when I got to E, a lot of the stuff that we'd have to report on, I was like, y'all, this is so, (laughs) come on, that's not right. It's not nice. I'd say to the producers, okay, so I'm supposed to now deliver this to people at home about somebody who's going out with who, who's having sex with who, who's having, I mean, like, God, y'all, this is hard. So when I would do the interviews, I would go out and remember, I knew a lot of these people already because I was already on The View. So I'd interviewed them because they'd come through Mm -hmm. The View. So I knew a lot of these actors and this and that. So when I'd go do the interviews with them, I would have the mic on or before I get mic'd and I'd say, look, I have to ask you this. You don't have to answer me. (laughs) (laughs) You serious? I was like, I have to, or I will at work. I go, I can't go back to my boss without, I I don't want to, this is an awful question, but it's, you see it. Answer is hilarious. You know what's interesting about that? Because I took the heat off of them. Man, the heat off myself and it took the onus away. And like, I let them know I'm not here to make you feel bad or make you feel uncomfortable about what has happened in your life and your personal life. Because I did that 90% of the time they would answer it. Yes. I'd ask the question and they would answer it. And I'd be like, yep. I'm like, because I, because of you, because you're not, you're not being mean. You're not a threat. You're not trying to make sense. And then because of that, also we'd go back and I would do it. And I'd be like, you guys take care of them. Don't make it ugly when you cut this piece together. Don't make it ugly. Right. But that's a lesson that I learned too. Like, even when I was a print journalist, I was a print journalist for like so many years. And I remember when I was about to interview Michael Buble, his publicist said to me, whatever you do, don't ask him about his son because his son had uh, pediatric cancer. Yeah. She said, please do not ask him about his son. I said, not a problem. I, I don't need to ask him about his son. So what happened was through the camaraderie and him feeling really comfortable with me, he brought up his son. Exactly. Why? Because he felt heard. He felt yep. respected. Yep. And so he was willing to share, like give of himself, share. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's like one of the keys to being a good interviewer and a good journalist. Mm-hmm. You have to let the person know that I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to hear you. Right. Hear you. I am not here to run out of here with the story because your journalists get such a bad rap. Yes. I'm not here to to twist your words and make you feel bad when you read about it. I'm really not. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of entertainment news shows want to do that because then the ratings and oh my gosh, coming up next, like you know, all the way, you know, the the way they sell. Listen, people are only watching what we put out there. So if you sell it and it's something nice, they're still going to watch. You know, I agree. I don't think things have really turned because the ugliness and that sort of stuff, nobody wants that, especially after the two years we've had. Exactly. Ugliness, man. I'm interested in like helping people better themselves and better their lives and evolve as humans on this planet. Like 
that hateful and scratching to get to the top in this is so 1990. Like, come on. It's not the consciousness that that we're moving towards now on this planet. Like that's old hat. Yeah. Old hat. It's so gross. So anyway, that's kind of how I, I played that over there. That's and funny it though. Worked my benefit. It always, it, it still does. <laughs> it still does. I still see people now and they'll be like, oh, tell De- we'll do the interview with Debbie. Cause they know I'm not going to, I'm simply here to hear your story. Thank you. That's all. Yeah. I love that. That is awesome. So those moments were defining and probably, you know, the, the third, oh God, a lot. My dad passing away of ALS. God, that wasn't that just, oof, oh that, my gosh, that brought me to my knees. I'm so sorry. Oof. When was that? God, we're going on nine years now. Jeez, oh, wow. Yesterday, but oh, that was really, that was tough. ALS is a, is a brutal disease. So hateful. God, it's so hateful. It's like, you know, I would say what's worse ALS or Alzheimer's because Alzheimer's, the person it's happening to doesn't really understand, but the people right. in them are devastated and it shatters and destroys families. ALS, the person it's happening to is a prisoner in their own body and they do understand. Yeah. And there's nothing they can do about it. And they feel guilty because everyone else has to take care of them. It's like, God, what? Cause he couldn't move at the end. I fed him. I bathed him. I'd have to pick mm-hmm. him up. I mean, he was, Oh my God. I left Hollywood and I went home and, First time was after the view, and the second time was when he was sick. And I just I quit for three years. I quit. E. They're like, wow. "Are you crazy? You're ruining your career. No one's going to hire you when you come back." And I said, "I don't really care if you don't yeah. hire me when I come back because I went to go take care of my dad. Then I don't want to work for you. That's disgusting. What yeah. kind of human are you? Like, great. I don't want to work for a company like that because I've won that. There'll be a gazillion shows. And you know what? I don't want to be dad thinking, oh, I worked at E. Oh, but I didn't go home take care of my dad. No. Yeah. No, no, no. You did the right thing. I mean, like, and I would have done it for without saying, years. yeah, I would have done it for 10 more years if you could have hung on, but he just, he, God, no, I had a family friend who had ALS and his oh. wife and his two daughters went through that for, for several years. And it got to the point where his mental capacity was a hundred percent, but it got to the point where all he could do is blink his eyes to communicate. My dad. Heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. his brain so intact still, mm-hmm. he had a computer that he could look at and it would spell the words. It, it's pretty advanced. So you could look at it and spell the words and yeah. the computer would talk back. He was still so sharp and he could not move or talk or anything that he could do the New York Times crossword puzzle with me still. Wow. You're a prisoner inside of, it's it's such, so hateful. I just can't. A prisoner awesome. inside your own body. Before he got to be that ill, I mean, I could still take him to PT and OT and all that stuff. Because at the end, everyone had to come to us. And I basically turned the house into like a hospital. Mm-hmm. Like I used all the money I made to basically level my parents' house and make it a hospital. Cause I was like, my wow. father's not going to live in a convalescence home. That's not how my dad's going out. If he, he wants to yeah. pass away, that's where he's going to pass away. So I was taking him one day and he was like, it would take him a long time to speak, like to get the words out and take 10 minutes sometimes. But it was, you know, I'm here to take care of you. And I don't care. I got all the time in the world. So I was taking him one day and I heard something about like Fiji or something on the radio. And I said, gosh, you know, I'd really love to go there someday. And he was like, I'm like, what? So he gets <laughs> it out. in 10 minutes, he says, 
He gets it up, struggling to speak the words, not someday, today. And I'm like, dad, today, I'm taking your people. How am I going to go today? He goes, today. Look at what happened to me. Not someday, today. He said, tomorrow is not a promise today. But what a lesson. Right? And I've never come I was, and I was always so strong. I was looking out of the window like, do not cry. Do not cry in front of him. Be strong. I was like, you know what? You're exactly right. I'm like, I mean, there were times, I stayed as strong as I possibly could in front of him, but I would walk out of rooms sometimes and just lose it. But that's the thing is that that was probably one of the lessons that his soul came here to learn and he was sharing it with you. Right. So that is a beautiful exchange. Really beautiful. I mean, he taught me so much and he was, my dad was so simple. Like he was a simple man from Greece that came here with no money and made furniture for a living, but there was so much wisdom in his simplicity. I'd be like, yeah, of course. Why are we overcomplicating everything in the world? Yeah. Love and be loved. Be happy. You're here to be happy and to make other people happy if you can. What else do you need? Let me ask you this. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Firstly, I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this podcast. Athletic Greens has a product called AG1 that I have been using literally every morning. When I start my morning with AG1 drink first thing before my coffee or my morning smoothie, it's a whole different ballgame. So I wake up in the morning. As soon as I get down to the kitchen, I put in a scoop of AG1 into my water. I stir it up. I drink it down. It's a few seconds out of my morning and I just feel so much more energetic than I did before. I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens all in one drink. I feel like I'm starting my day on the right foot, and it's a good feeling to know that you're starting your day by being kind to yourself. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, and I respect their company values. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. They also stay on the cutting edge of nutritional research, which is super important to me. AG1 is the single greatest thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews. Again, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Do you pray? And if you do, who or what do you pray to? You know, growing up, I was I was brought up in a Greek Orthodox family. We went to church every Sunday, we had Greek Easter and Christmases, and we fasted for 40 days, which is why Greek people are so healthy. You know, they're always saying the Mediterranean diet. And I laughed because mm-hmm. I'm like, what most people don't know about the Mediterranean diet is Greek people fast for the holy holidays, which are like 180 days a year. 180 days a year, they're fasting, but not and fasting to them is no animal product at all. Okay. So at different times of year, they become vegan. No wonder they're so healthy. People don't get it. Damn, I didn't know that. I was like, people, what people don't get it, what they don't get about the Mediterranean diet is that they reset their bodies. Yes. So I'm sure they're, you know, back in the day, religiously, they knew that this was good for people's health. So that's Mm -hmm. probably why they implemented it. Anyway, so yes, I, we were very, very unspiritual and religious growing up. And I was brought up in the church, so I prayed a lot, and I still do. But I pray now to, you know, to God and to the universe. And I talk to my dad, mm-hmm. you know, and like my relatives that have passed. You know, I think when you're praying, you're putting something out in the universe that is a desire that you would have fulfilled, whether mm-hmm. it's healing or happiness or whatever it is. And when you put, no matter what you believe, what deity you believe in, if you put it out in the universe, whether it's inside of your head, which is a meditation. When people pray, it's a meditation inside of their head. Right. Or you put it out verbally, which is, what's it called? One of those manifestation boards. Like it, like an affirmation or a vision board. Or- it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. You're just calling it different things. You say, I'm yeah. not religious. I don't pray. I said, but you have an affirmation board. What's that? Who are you talking to? I'm talking right. to me. Okay. Well, who are you? I'm me. I'm like, yeah, well, who's inside of you? The universe and God. You think you're just, you think just like that, nothing else bigger than you. But then why are you, why do you have an affirmation board then? Who are you talking to? Right. Because people get hung up on the language. It's like, okay, don't call it God. Call it source. Call it whatever you want. Call it spirit. That's what it is. It's all the same. It's all one. And I don't care Mm -hmm. what you call it, but when you call on it, it will help you. Always. Always, 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 maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, but it's about staying the course, keeping the meditation going, keeping the spirituality going, keeping the feeding your soul. Because what right. you're doing in those moments is you're feeding your soul and yes. it's self-care and you're, ta- you're taking about, you're taking care of yourself and giving yourself a big hug. That's what it is. Yeah. So a lot now I talk to my dad and if, if you listen you can hear it right back and you're like, yes, exactly. That's the answer. Cause you'd mm-hmm. hear what your dad would say, or, you know, what somebody you respect that's passed away would say, or, you know, like the spirit world, like you say, they if try you, to communicate. They want to, they want to help but you. Yeah. But a lot of times we block it, but they try their best to communicate. And do you know what we block it with, with this, with this, with the, yeah. TV, with the turn it off and just listen to your voice and listen to your heart and you'll hear it. And you're like, wow, it's very, very interesting. And also very powerful when you hear, hear and feel that you're like, geez, I yes. think I'm psychic. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. can connect if you, everyone can, I believe it. If you want to connect, you can connect. Yes. And I was going to ask you, what's the best advice you've ever been given? But I really think that what your dad said, when he said, 
today. That's the best advice, Ever. right? That one word, today. today. <laughs> Not someday, yeah. today. Yeah, like, that is great advice. Not someday, today. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, think about it. Not someday, today. Tomorrow yeah. is not a promise. Mm-mm. And tell me about, so the nine years that you recently spent on Home and Family on the Hallmark Channel. What a great show. Tell me about that experience. I mean, I like, you know, the Hallmark Channel gives you like the warm and fuzzies. Is Was that what it was like? That <laughs> the most amazing nine years of my career. I really hands down. Like people say, what, what about The View? What about E? What about Entertainment Tonight or whatever? And I'm like, no. That group of people, there were 150 of us on that set, and our job was to spread joy. Like legitimately, my job every day for nine years was to go to work and make people smile and not discuss politics, not discuss religion, not discuss and just say, hey, you know what? How are you doing today? Well, spend the next two hours with me. We're going to bake a cake. We're going to talk about this celebrity's, you know, their call celeb, like their pet project, not anything personal ever. It was right. all about, so what are you doing to, to better your life and to better the lives of people around you? We're going to teach you how to maybe grow some herbs, garden, how to fix something in your house, how to do it, like make yourself look better with like, you know, 20 bucks or something like, and the people that that show attracted to work there. Cause mm-hmm. I'd always say the people who aren't like-minded, like we were, cause we were all very, very light people they weed themselves out. They can't handle it. Cause it was like, right. a love bomb. it was like a huge love bomb every day. <laughs> we would laugh so hard to the point where we would cry. I was just talking about it with two of the girls today. I mean, we, not only do we have a job that would make people happy and that our job was like a, I'd say it was two hours of sunshine, mm-hmm. but also behind the scenes, it was equally that wonderful. And yeah, look, there's not to say that there weren't issues from time to time, or there wasn't the bad things don't happen in the world because they do, but it's mm-hmm. your choice to decide how you want to react to it and how you want to handle it. It's your yeah. choice to decide whether you want to come from a place of joy or come from a place of sadness. And if you turn on the news or you open the newspaper or you go on your phone, and look at it, there's a lot to be sad about. Yeah. So I would like to, to give someone another option, even if it's for two hours. That's all. Even if it's for two hours, you get to have a respite for a minute and go, gosh, those people over there are really fun and they're kind. It was all, yeah. we, we came from a place of love. Warm and fuzzy. Always. Like I said. Fuzzy. And it was never, never judgmental. Yeah. Ever. It didn't matter. You want to do that? That's on you. Are you a good person? Do you treat people kindly? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was really such an amazing experience. And I learned so much about myself and about other people and, Every day was like going to school. I became wow. an amazing cook from, I mean, yeah, I had a cookbook, but it was, I, it was all the stuff I grew up with, my Greek cookbook. I now can cook pretty much anything because I spent nine years in a kitchen. Oh, I mean, cool. so much fun. I know how to fix just about anything in the house because of all the segments we did mm-hmm. and learned a lot about people, mindfulness and nutrition and people's books. And I feel like I'm a much better person for having been on that show and much more well-rounded because I was given, I was given the gift of being able to learn about so many different people from so many different walks of life because it was my job to learn about them. Like, okay, so-and-so is coming on the show tomorrow. She's got a book. 
she was shipwrecked. There's a story about this person was shipwrecked. I can't, they found him like 23 days later. The person was on a raft. I'm like, what the, like, it's what? mind blowing. Yeah. The person didn't just say, I'm done. That's it. Like the determination you have to have to be that it was called like a speck in the sea or something was the name of the book. It was, it's an incredible book. Yeah. But that is interesting to hear about like the Olympic swimmer that was paralyzed. Cause she, I think her first Olympics when she was 16 or something dove in, hit the thing wrong during mm-hmm. practice and paralyzed herself and went back and said, no, this isn't going to define me. Learned how to swim again, learned how to swim is in a wheelchair, can't walk, learned how to swim again and won the Paralympics. I mean, it's like, I feel like I was given such an amazing gift that I got to be around all these people and hear all these people's stories and learn from them and, and be a conduit so the world could hear it, you know? Yes. And be like, service. you're not alone. Like, listen to all of this. Yeah. That you start feeling like, woe is me. Hold on a minute. Listen to this story. Yeah. And yeah. You know what's crazy too is like the world is a chaotic, tragic place and the world is an unbelievably beautiful, inspiring, happy place. But it like, it depends what you consume, what you take in. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy. It depends on what you want to see, what you want to see. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. Okay it all. It's okay to see it all and to feel it all. I, I think in the creation of the world and the essence of the world, whoever or whatever you believe it was created to help and to heal. And for goodness, mm-hmm. it wasn't created out of bad. It was created to help and heal and to be a good place. Yeah. I really believe that. I believe that. By the way, I have to tell you, so I got your Icaria Beauty oh my God. products. Okay. You like, did she send it to you? Sent them to me. I've been using them for the last three days. And I follow the directions to the letter. Like with the serum, with the cream, I'm like, warm it up, put it on, pat, pat, pat. <laughs> I'm doing everything. I real. I have to say, like, I really love them. I'm happy with it. I am so proud of this, Allison. I'm so happy that you're saying that. This was such a labor of love. I have worked so hard on this thing. And I, the world does not need another celebrity-backed skincare line. Nobody cares. Oh my gosh, I'm Giselle. Look at my beautiful skin. You're just, you're a supermodel. No one's going to look like you. I don't care if I use your creams. I'm not going to look like you. I did this. I mean, you can see it's, I didn't even put my name on it because I want people to think, oh, it's just another backed line. I want people to see it and to experience it for what it really is. And in my opinion, it is phenomenal. And I will let you know why I did this. I did it because I have really awful awful, awful sensitive skin to the point where I would get massive hives. I'd have crazy pimples and this and that. And I went to so many dermatologists and spent so much money trying to fix my skin. And they'd say, oh, take this pill or put this on it and do that. Or here's Mm. a word or whatever. I was like, y'all are putting band-aids on me. No one is telling me what is happening and how I can make it better. Okay. I started to talk to my mom and my aunts or whatever. They'd be like, the same stuff we've always been using. We tell you all the time, look our beautiful skin, blah, blah, blah. Honey, olive oil, goat's milk. I'm like, I'm not putting goat's milk on my skin. (laughs) (laughs) But they were right. They Mm -hmm. were right. And so I went back and I started to look at the cookbook. And I was like, a lot of the same things that we're putting inside of our bodies are going on our bodies if you live in Greece. And it makes sense. It's your biggest organ. So I met these guys who 
some of these chemists in LA. And I said, do you think you could make something for me? And I was in the middle of a breakout. And I said, just, I can't, I'm so tired of this. Again, I was at a party. I went to a party and met some people just like the view. I went to the party and met somebody. <laughs> he goes, yeah, let me mess around with it a little bit and I'll see. So he and I were like going back and forth. He sends me some stuff. He goes, use this, see what you think. I'm like, oh my God. Cause I said, the main thing I want you to put in there is olive oil and honey. He's like, all right, okay. mess around with it. We went back and forth. I was like, this is incredible. So I started giving it to everyone in the makeup room. And that's basically how the Ageless Beauty Bomb was born. It's olive oil. It is royal jelly. It's holy basil. I said to him, it's very important to me that all these things come from Greece because this is the basis of why I'm doing this because nothing else ever worked. So going back and forth a million times, getting the actual formula exactly Mm -hmm. correct putting it in the jars, putting the boxes, sending. I mean, I was like, I don't know if I'll ever see a penny from this. But <laughs> <laughs> the end of the day, I don't care because I am so proud of it because it works. I sent it to my mom. I sent it to my aunts and I just sent it. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, on their backs to ask them what they think. They've mm-hmm. all come to me unsolicited. And yeah. so many of my friends that have big careers that don't have to support me have unsolicited come to me and say, can I do something for you? Because my God, I can't believe how good this stuff is. It's natural. It's green. It's clean. It is as good, in my opinion, better than La Mer and so many of those other things, because all those things have chemicals in them. This does not have anything that's going to irritate your skin. And the the Renew, the Fido serum, retinol serum is plant-based. So it doesn't interact with the sun the way that other retinol creams do. So, which means that you can wear it during the day and not worry about having light sensitivity. What you're saying is, cause I was reading that. So it mimics a retinol because it's, it's not a retinol it's plant retinol, which is, okay. which is another thing that these companies don't tell you. Like, then why don't you just use the plant retinol? Right. Because we can make it this way in a lab for less money. If we use the plant retinol, it will take a little bit longer but okay. it's not going to be so irritating to your skin as a, a chemical retinol would. The uh, collagen powder, by the way, that is a marine-based collagen powder versus a bovine-based collagen powder. And bovine-based collagen powders don't absorb into your body as quickly as That's marine-based. That's the supplement, right? That's the supplement. supplement. You put. I haven't sure. tried that yet, but oh yeah. God, you, love it. you are absolutely going to love it. Okay. It t- that's another thing. I can go back and forth with a taste on that. And they were like, geez, man. I was like, no, you've got to get it right. <laughs> I said, I'm not doing this just to put my name on something. You see, I'm not putting my name. Just make it good. I want something good that I can be proud of that I bring to market we're not asking people to spend their hard earned money, especially after the two years we've had right. on something that doesn't work because I've been there. I've been the girl that believes it all and none of it works. Right. It really legitimately works. I cannot wait to see what you're going to say in a month with the, um, with the beauty bomb. You won't believe yeah, it's it. only been three days, but I, I love it because, well, I love putting on the serum and yeah. it absorbs like super quick. quick. And then when I put the beauty bomb on, my face just feels like plump and toned and like, and not greasy, but it just, I don't know, the skin feels nourished. That's the best way. It feels nourished to put it. Exactly. And doesn't it glow? Yes. It's unbelievable how much it glows. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love it. Like, Your skin looks so great. I'm like, it's hard. <laughs> but I not have a question a, for you. Really when great. are you coming out with a cleanser? 
and a mask. Funny you should say that. We have, oh my gosh, our mask just came out. She didn't send it to you. Are you serious? The mask is a reveal. So I'm revealing the mask to you right now. Okay. I haven't even opened this thing. Let me see. Oh, geez. Can I open it? Stand by. I will send you a mask. It's so good. This mask has five different acids in it. It has glycolic acid, salicylic acid, mandelic acid. Is that what it's called? Mandelic acid. That is the thing that gets rid of brown spots. Oh, I am the queen of brown spots, especially I'm now living in Florida and it's insane. Oh my so gosh, yeah. I'm so I, there you, for this. I also need to come up with a sunscreen, but yeah. natural sunscreens are really difficult because they don't keep very long and whatever. I mean, it's interesting. So this is one of, in my opinion, one of the best masks you will ever use. Again, non-irritating. Mm-hmm. You want to use it twice a week put it on for like 15 minutes and tingles and take it off, but it starts to slough your skin away and reduces your pore size, reduces fine lines and wrinkles, gets rid of brown spots, gets rid of redness, which I have, I fight a lot. I suffer a lot from red kind of Mm -hmm. muddy skin. And it's it's not a sheet mask, right? It's just, it's not a sheet. No, it's like this, put it in your hand and you, it's just a thin layer. It's clear. See? Do you see that? Yes. Just okay. like that. It comes out like a cream. It goes on. Clean. Okay. That's nice. You leave it on for just 15 to 20 minutes and you'll feel it tingling. You'll feel it doing its thing. And then mm-hmm. and you just rinse it off with some warm water and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have her send it to you. My hair and makeup team from home and family, mm-hmm. both of them, we just did a shoot for Kari a few days ago. So they got some because it was for the new product. Oh, cool. They both texted me this morning and said, I cannot believe how great the reveal is. I'm like, oh, yes. okay. That's the best, the best feedback and the best compliments are from people I know because yeah. it's truly because they don't, well, you know, one way or another, they're getting it for free. They don't have to tell me where they like or not. And they're going out of their way to say, I really love that it means so much to me. And it also means that, you know, listen, I worked really hard on this. So I'm really proud of it. The same way I was with the book, the book I worked so hard on all by myself. I didn't have a network. I didn't have a producer. I didn't have anything. Same thing with this. Me and some chemists work really hard on this. And the fact that people are really responding so well to this makes me really proud. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And I have to admit, okay, I've always had a theory where I said, I'm not going to buy celebrity products because I always felt that it took away revenue from the people that were in that industry that earned their living in that industry, right? So that was... (laughs) What did you say? Don't worry. You could take a few dollars from them. They make so much money in a bit. It's a multi-billion. No, I know. I know. But no, but with your products, I fell in love with the products. So it's too late for me now. (laughs) I love this. I wish I could come in the camera and hug you right now. I'm serious. It makes me so happy because everyone says that. I mean, you're not the only one. My friend Michelle was like, look, I've been using the same thing for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I can't stand it when celebrities come out with or whatever. And I was like. I'm not, I didn't put my name on it. She's like, yeah. girl, girl, it is good. I said, I know. And that's why I was a pain in the butt to the chemists. I kept yeah. saying, well, we're going to have to source this from Greece. We're going to have to source that. Literally, they were like, I, can't we just go down the street to Ventura and get the damn olive oil? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, this girl. Oh my, here we go again. I come, hi, I was wondering, could you make it a little thicker? They're like, oh my God. Like back off, but but I'm glad I was like, you know, the pain in their butt for so long because it came out exactly the way I was. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a customer. I'm here for it. Oh, I'm so happy you're saying <laughs> that. I'm going to have yeah. her show you some more. Do you okay. like the smell of it? It's I like- love the smell of it. It's it subtle that- and it's beautiful. And I've always been obsessed with skincare. It's like, a, I love the ritual of it. Yeah, me too. So it, it does like, other than having results, it has to be a fun experience. It has to be like a pleasing experience to use it, you know? Self-care. So yeah. And that's what 2022 is all about you. I always said that. 2022 is all about you and it begins with self-care and doing yeah. that, the ritual of it. Just even like the ritual of drinking coffee, I feel is self-care because I make yes. I love the coffee. I sit and drink the coffee. I enjoy it. I mean, it's part of taking care of you. For real. And For this real. smell that you smell is on Mediterranean sea salt. Beautiful. And we went back and forth with the scent too. Too much, not enough. Too much, right in the middle. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's subtle. It's, it's beautiful. It's been a labor of love and I'm so happy about it. And I'm coming out with a a mountain tea as well to drink at night, which is really great for digestion. Okay. So that's going to be, that one's coming soon. And a cleanser is the next thing on. Yes. A cleanser. A cleanser is the next thing that we're working on. And I'm with the cleanser. We're going to use a chamomile and things like that from like mountains in Greece. Like we're going to go there and and stuff that's, I probably, I don't want to say for sure. But my mom is right. I'm probably going to put some sort of yogurt or some sort of goat milk based something in the cleanser. Okay. Because it's calming. Yes. And the chamomile and that plus will maybe, uh, maybe I'll do two different ones. One for super sensitive and one just for, you know, regular skin. Because I want to maybe some in in one of the cleansers, I might want to put some of the salicylic stuff in there. so, So you can slough off while you're washing. Right. Well, now I want to go to Icaria and I want to use it while I'm there. (laughs) I'm here. Koreans, I'm here with my product. I want to have the full experience. Yeah. I mean, what an amazing place. One of the only five blue zones on the planet. Crazy. I love that. I read the book blue zones. I want to go back and reread it now. Oh yeah. That's um, Mark Hyman. Is that who wrote it? Did you read the cookbook blue zones? No, I just read Blue Zones where he he did a study of the places around the globe where people live to be a hundred or more than a hundred. Yeah, yeah. I think Mark wrote that. But there's um, it's really funny in Greece in Ikaria. Just to give you an example of how long the people live, the banks will not give anyone a personal business loan past the age of eighty five. Now, if a bank okay. is give someone a personal business loan at the age of 85, they expect in 20 years, they're going to get paid back. Mm-hmm. So they expect, well, you'll live to be 105. I'll get most of my money back or I'll get my money back. Can you wow. imagine if you're 85 and you go to a bank in America and you say, I'd like to get a personal business loan, a 20 year loan, they'll be like, really, sir? <laughs> well, can you imagine with social security in this country? Like these bitches are living to over a hundred. Fuck this. We're not giving them social security. <laughs> Why are this shit? Like who's <laughs> yeah. people? Get to get to Gloria. Fuck this. That's <laughs> true. It's very true. So you you have a seven year old daughter, you do. right? That was another defining moment in my life when she was born. I mean, God, that'll change you, won't it? Having a child oh, yeah. completely changes everything. Everything. So you had your daughter at forty. Yeah. If I'm doing the math oh, right, no, it was thirty nine. Thirty nine. Okay. Because I'm December baby. 
Okay. Yeah. So my 40th birthday, everyone's like, let's, and I was like, no, I'm good. I'm like, <laughs> like, everybody went and had a big party, you know, for their 40th. I'm like, I really, I could care less. <laughs> yeah. When you were in your 30s, did you ever have a, a time when you felt like maybe it, what, that wasn't going to happen in your life or because it did happen a little bit later or you just weren't there yet? I just wasn't there yet. You know, I, looking back now, I think, geez, had I known I was going to like being a mother so much, I would have started much earlier. Yeah. Would have, I would have been a teen pregnancy. If I (laughs) I would have loved being a mom like this. Oh my gosh. I would have had 20 kids if I could. Yeah. I mean, who's going to pay for these people, obviously. But so I just, I think my life from the time I started at MTV until it kind of slowed down with my dad when my dad passed away, was so work-focused. Everything was about work. Everything. Mm-hmm. I, it was like, it was a laser focus. And if I was on one job, how am I going to get to the next job? It was just very little personal life, all work. And if I met you at work, great. Maybe we'd go on a date or something. You know what I mean? But it was yeah. all work. And it wasn't until my dad got sick and I slowed down that I realized, gosh, there's so much more to life than me just focusing on this career for what, why am I doing this? What's the point of doing it? If I'm not going to have anyone to share it with. And I have so many nieces and nephews. And that's when I started being like, yeah, I want a family, you know, but I never, I don't know. I I guess maybe I was naive. Although, you know, growing up in a Greek household, my mom's like, Oh my gosh, you're 28 years old. You're never going to have a baby. It's too late. Are you taught I'm 28. I went to my gyno. She's like, Good lord, the Greeks are hard. I was like, <laughs> I'm basically an old man. Oh, my animal. by the time you're 30, who gonna want to marry you? I mean, these kind of things are what the Greek yeah. old say at the church. You're like, You need to calm down. We live yeah. in a different world, okay? So, but I never really felt like that. And then when I did, I was fortunate enough to be able to, to have Alexandra. Mm-hmm. And after, unfortunately, which I've not talked about, after Alexandra, I had such a hard time, such a hard time, like staying pregnant. I had nine miscarriages. Shut up. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, I was like pregnant for five years straight. No one knew except the stylist. I was pregnant. I'd lose them always. Oh my God. Like the first three were super hard. The first three were really hard. And then after that, it got to like, I was like, is this a joke? Then it started me going like this. Then it's surreal. Yeah. I, then you, I just didn't believe it. I said, it didn't matter. And Maggie probably like, it doesn't matter. It's not going to hold. So it turned out that I have a, my blood type is such that after the first baby and the blood's kind of mix, you know? Yeah. So after the first baby, because I have O negative blood, I needed to get a shot every time I was pregnant immediately. The minute I know, because your, your body will try try to attack a foreign object, try to attack it thinking it was, um, it's like, yeah. Using you or something. So now that you solved the mystery, you're going to try again. Oh, no, like I, my heart was broken so many times. Yeah, that I got to a point where I said, "Okay, well, this is what the universe and what God wants. And this is just how it's supposed to be." And so right. I just stopped crying. 
I stopped trying because I thought I, I just felt so defeated. Yeah. And God, do I, I mean, I love babies. I mean, when I look at little babies, my ovaries hurt. I'm like, oh my God, that baby, I just want to smush you. I love them. I love the smell of them. I love everything about them. Yeah. And I mean, I'd, I'd love to be able to give her a sister. I would love to have had, I mean, even adoption, you know what I mean? That's not out of the question either. Yeah. But going through that like that, like I have, a, I have a soft spot for anyone who's ever had a miscarriage. And, you know, the first three were DNCs. Then after that, it was where they would just get rid of themselves. Right. But probably the worst one for me was, I was probably about three and a half. It was about four months. It was about four months at that point. And I, <laughs> I had to do the Golden Globes, host the Golden Globes red carpet for the insider. Like right and after it happened. I had the DNC on Saturday and had to host the Golden Globes on Sunday. Oh, it was God. And I still had the anesthesia in my body, you know, because it puts you under. Wow. So my, I was still like breaking out and my, my makeup artist knew and my hairstylist knew and the producers and they were like, and I'm standing there trying to like do these interviews like, who cares? Like, what am I even saying right now? You know? Yeah. That's so, rough. Yeah, it was rough. I mean, and my God, I feel so sorry for people that I really have a lot of empathy for people who are trying to have children and can't. And you yeah. know, I thank my lucky stars every day. And instead of turning yes. to why me? I say, thank you, God. Thank you, universe, for giving me Alexandra. Your daughter. Me yeah. One healthy, beautiful child. Because once you have a child, you realize why people call it the miracle of childbirth. Because mm-hmm. for the love of God, the fact that we're all walking around like and have 10 fingers and 10 toes and like something tragic didn't happen during the pregnancy or during the delivery. Yeah. Mind boggling. Amazing. Yeah. You're really, you're like, yeah, of course people have babies every day. And then once you're in it, you're like, oh my, this is a situation. Yes. (laughs) Whoa. It is. (laughs) How many kids died during childbirth? How many mothers? I mean, you're like, what the God, this is a big deal. And you guys act like it's nothing. I mean, and it's intense. You're like, oh my God, get alive. It's intense. It is. It prepares you for that. And of course you understand where babies come from and how they come out. But until you're in it, you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's crazy. It's like some weird sci-fi thing happening. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, this <laughs> was inside of me. This is crazy. <laughs> and wait, yeah. and another organ too? What the hell's going on? You know, the placenta? Like, yeah. That freaked me out. When you're, you're like, oh, now you have to push out the placenta. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Freaky. <laughs> and then you understand why people pass out in the delivery room. We're like, what is the big deal? And then when you hear all these stories about men passing out in the delivery room, yeah, now I get it. I didn't take any drugs. So I just had to start pushing when I felt the urge to push. And they're like, don't push. It's not time. I'm like, don't fucking tell me not to push. This kid is coming out. And then the doctor was like, oh, you tore. We're going to have to sew you up. And I was like, great. My vagina's broken. Like my luck. <laughs> if you're alone, everyone's vagina broke. Yeah, oh my gosh. But that's what my doctor's always like before. She's like, oh, I just cut everyone before. As soon as they start, she goes, I'm sorry. Because otherwise, it's much easier to sew a nice, clean rip or not your cut rather than a jagged situation. Seriously. Oh People oh don't realize, like, men don't get it. <laughs> I don't, know what we I don't think we can get it until you're sitting there. Like, of course, I know. You know, it's a beautiful blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, oh! 
And I think about all these wonderful people who want to have babies at home. I have so many friends who are like, no, we're doing childbirth at home in the bathtub. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? Oh, man. You really want to be at home in a bathtub? No. I mean, like sometimes even these little things go wrong. Anything. Anything. I remember seeing like the nurses start to scurry. Mm-hmm. And like, and you can feel like, okay, something's, something's off. Like, you know, when their bedside manner changes a little bit and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? It's only cause she hadn't coughed yet. And she was like lodged. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know. What is she, what, or is it okay? Is it not okay? But imagine being at home and not having all the, the medical stuff around you that you need and something goes wrong. Yeah. I'm not for it. I remember when Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, when she was like, I gave birth at home in the bathtub with music playing and. I'm like, you, girl, you're crazy. <laughs> crazy. I'm not about all that. <laughs> My mom says to me, I don't know why people want to do this. In Greece, you have to give birth at home because you're poor, honey. Because you're poor, you can't go to the hospital. Seriously. You the money. In America, the rich people, they want to stay home to have the money. <laughs> says to me. <laughs> I like your mom. <laughs> the same thing with organic and she was like when we're doing the cookbook and i was talking about organic she said, organic what is this organic i said you know mama natural things you grow in snavli in the backyard you go in the backyard you grow your own vegetables no chemicals no she goes, yes normal honey normal and i was yes. like yeah normal she goes again the people in Greece, we're starving to death. We're having a famine. We have to grow our own vegetables because we don't have money to go to the market. Now you go to the market, they charge you 10 times the price of the vegetables they grow in the backyard. <laughs> I love it. She's right. Like the ones growing in someone's backyard, it's going to be 10 times as much. Like she goes, that's what you did when you were poor. Yeah. For custom-made clothes too. Everything was custom-made. We didn't have... Your yeah, she got the sewing machine, she made the clothes. Now you pay twice as much to get custom made. That is hilarious. Brainwashing, <laughs> baby, brainwashing. Yeah. Societal brainwashing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A thousand percent. It's crazy. So, okay, your birth name is Despina, right? Despina. Despina. Okay. Despina. What do you think you came into this lifetime as Vespina Matinopoulos, a.k.a. Debbie Matinopoulos, to learn? And what do you think you came here to teach? Oh, wow. Gosh. You know, I, I think we all come here to learn how to love and how to be loved. I really believe that. I know it sounds so simple and so like, oh my gosh, it's the butterflies and unicorns and rainbows. But no, life is hard, man. Life is really hard. And I've gone through some hard, hard things. And at the end of the day, and we all have, we all have. I don't care if you are a billionaire or you are a pauper. Life is hard. Mm -hmm. So I think we're all meant to learn how best to love one another, how best to love ourselves, how to give love, how to be loved, and how to appreciate what we've been given. Because every single one of us is so fortunate that we woke up today. Hmm. A lot of people didn't. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not lost on me. And I really hope after this pandemic, it's not lost on a lot of other people, but you know, people, oh, I learned so much. And then you go right back into your lifestyle and you forget everything you learned. You learned for about a month and then you right, right back into it. And, you know, I, I really hope I still have a lot more to learn. I'm like a sponge. I like to learn about everything and feel everything. I want to live the length of my life, but also the width of my life. Right. And it's okay. I want to feel the pain. I want to feel the good. Because what the pain, you don't even know what the good is. Yeah, contrast. Yeah, you have to feel it all. So... What did you say? What I've come to learn and what I've come to teach? Right. What do you think you what do you think you've taught so far in this life? Maybe acceptance. You know, I hope I can teach some people about acceptance of themselves and mm-hmm. resilience and being a good person. I just don't think enough emphasis is put on that. I don't know if it ever was. Mm-hmm. I feel like what happened to just being a good person? And that's enough. You yeah. are enough. You are enough. As you are waking up today, right now in this moment, you're enough. You know? That's beautiful. There's, I love that. There's no such thing as perfection. And if there was, perfection's boring. Who yeah. wants to be perfect? You're enough. The world loves you as you are. And, I, you know, everyone has different circumstances. Everyone comes from different places. Everyone believes the stories in their head because of what somebody told them at some certain moment in their life. And for whatever moment, for whatever reason, that moment rung true. And it plays like a broken record. Mm -hmm. I would like to say, scratch all that. If I could teach you anything, you are your thoughts. Think good things. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Debbie. I have to tell you that when I'm interviewing somebody and they feel comfortable enough with me to say to me, you know, I've never said this before, but, or I've never revealed this in an interview before, but, and then they go on to really open up and tell you intimate things about their life story. It's, it's an honor. It truly, truly is. And it makes me feel so good that people trust me with aspects of their story that maybe they never trusted anyone else before to share. So that really warms my heart. And I really hope that any personal information that is shared in these interviews with the people that I interview, my hope is that it helps somebody else who's out there. You know, of course I look at the numbers and I look at who's listening and who's watching, but the thing that always goes through my head is, oh my God, that's X amount of people that have been affected by this interview, that have been affected by this person's story. And maybe, just maybe, there's somebody out there who's listening who needed to hear it for whatever reason. You know, whether it has to do with just something personal that happened in the interviewee's life, and there's somebody out there that needed to hear that at that moment because they were struggling through the same thing and it made them feel less alone or it inspired them to fight another day. And that's really why I do this. And that's, it's a beautiful exchange of energy all the way around. So as always, I want to thank you guys for tuning into my podcast. I really hope that you were entertained, informed, inspired. Maybe you laughed a little bit. Maybe you cried a little bit. Who knows? But you know what? We all need that sometimes, right? Anyway, so 
As always, please subscribe. Please leave me a review. Please reach out and let me know what you think. I really love to hear what people think of these episodes because they mean so much to me and I, I hope that they mean something to you. And I will catch you on the next go around. Peace. Peace.